Good day, everybody. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily this Wednesday afternoon with some market commentary. We welcome back an old friend of the podcast for his analysis. I uh, hardly recognize him anymore. He got a new set of glasses and cut his hair. Craig Hemke from TF Metals Report. Hey, buddy. Nice to visit with you, Trevor. Yeah. No shortage of stuff to talk about. No, there is no shortage of stuff to talk about. But let's talk about this volatility in the precious metals. And let's start. I, we'll talk about gold here in a little bit. But we really got to talk about silver. Uh, yeah. Really broke down through support today. Below $1,800 an ounce, Craig. Currently, futures base is seventeen ninety one. Yeah. Uh, this chart looks terrible. Yes. Uh, what is driving this? What, what's your thoughts here? Well, it's uh, mainly a paper-driven event. You can see that in the uh, backwardation of even now we've shifted over to December 22, which doesn't go off the board now until after Thanksgiving. And it's trading about 15 cents backwardation versus spot. So it's a paper-driven event. Uh, if you know, For those who've been following the COT reports, it's mainly speculators and hedge funds. I mean, the banks are now net long. But the hedge funds are just piling in and selling and selling and selling. And at one point, uh, someday soon, they're going to be wrong-footed and you're going to get another short squeeze, kind of like what we got last month. But the hard part is um, you can certainly drive yourself crazy and and, uh, drain your account waiting for that to happen. Um, This entire year has been uh, frustrating on so many levels for so many people. For me personally, I mean, I expected... Uh, a tough, you know, first third to a half of the year, but I thought the Fed would pivot sooner, um, and they haven't. And so, you know, that's a little frustrating. I mean, it, they were able to play those games for almost, what, four or five years between 14 and 19, uh, the rhetorical games, you know, of balance sheet reduction and higher rates and all that crap. And I thought it would be, it would be five months this time. Well, I'm wrong about that. I figured we'd probably drop below 20 in kind of a false breakdown, but I sure didn't see us going to, you know, 10% further down to 18. So that's frustrating uh, as well. And then the last most recent fake out um, was, was really, fr- I thought, because I heard Powell. I mean, I was watching, I was on an airplane uh, with nothing else to do the day of the July FOMC meeting conclusion in Powell's press conference. And I heard him, I heard him say in the past tense, using the past tense, we have moved expeditiously to the neutral rate. And then he followed that up with, we will now be uh, data dependent going forward. And it was then, a, a gold immediately shot about $20 higher from about where it is now, 1735 to 55 went to 1825 And then, you know, and silver went from 18 to nearly 21 And then within three or four weeks, uh, even with the data being terrible and, and inflation actually coming in you get this speech last friday eight minutes of just simply uh i mean maybe it's perfectly clear we're going to keep hiking and hiking and hiking and damn the torpedoes we don't give a shit so you know we are demigods we've got this all under control <laughs> hmm. and so that was particularly frustrating because when he said that i figured okay that's it lows the year in and then he just completely you know reverses course three or four weeks later and now obviously prices have fully reversed back down to where they were too. So this has been a very frustrating year. It's very challenging. It's like, uh, not unlike other periods where the Feds have played, Fed has played these rhetorical games. Um, they'll be called to the carpet again. They will be forced to pivot because what's the option? Global depression uh, and collapsing, you know, get, drive the S&P back down to 1,000? I mean, they're not going to do that. But the waiting 
and having it take longer than you thought, you know, or I might have expected, that's the part that's so challenging. And yet that's here we are. That speech last week from Jackson Hole was quite astounding. Not only because it was eight eight minutes, eight and a half minutes, but they really – it seemed like he really put his foot down and said that this is what they're going to do to combat inflation. And then you saw them double down afterwards with the number of the governors coming out. And who was the, the guy from Minneapolis who was um, – Cash said, Gary. Cash Gary who said – he, he was happy to see the market take such a drop right. the day following right. or that day. Uh, you know, this is pretty this is pretty strong language here. Um, and I, I don't know if me personally am surprised. I think in hindsight we'll look back and say they're probably doing the right thing. They You know, Powell's saying there's going to have to be a little bit of pain to get through this in order to get prices back down to man- better managed levels. Sure. But this also has ramifications, right? And are people ready for this? I mean, not just Wall Street, but like people in general. Well, see, that's kind of the trade-off. You know, I've railed for years against all these Fed policies that have enriched the bankers, you know, driven asset prices up. But that only benefits you if you've got assets, right? right? What, 90% of the stock market wealth is held by 10% of the people? Right. So what about all the, you know, the regular people that are now working three jobs, uh, five jobs between a, a, in a married couple just simply trying to make ends meet, you know, put gas in the car. I mean, sure. And so that's the trade-off, though. Okay, so we're going to jack up rates and kill the economy. Um, those folks will feel better about inflation, uh, you know, slowing. I mean, it's not like we're going back from $5 chicken to $3 chicken. We're just going to only go up at 2% a year going forward instead of 20 mm-hmm. So they'll at least feel a little bit better about that. But their wages won't keep up. And and on top of that, <laughs> they're going to be losing their jobs, you know, due to the recession. And so really there are no winners in the Fed doing this. Um, but they will play these games. And, I, and again, I guess that what has me concerned at this point, Trevor, and I, I've been, I, I brought this up on my site yesterday, my daily podcast for the, my subscribers. I wrote about it again this morning, is the chart in COMEX Gold right now is almost identical to where it was in early 2013. You know, price had run up from 700 to 1900 over a couple of years, and then traded sideways between about 1550 and 1800 for about a year and a half. From September of 11 through March of 13, and bounced off the 1550 level three or four times. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem with that is you get you know, everybody sees that chart and they think, well, I'll put some stops in here. Uh, I'll, I'll be long until uh, price, if it, price does break down, I'll have my stops here. Well, then the problem is price did break down. The stops got running. Gold fell $200 in two days in the middle of April. And the chart now looks almost identical. And we've gone down to 1680, 1700 four times in the last two years and bounced every time. Um, look, when we broke down in 2013, I mean, we were down there for five freaking years as the Fed continued to play these rhetorical games. I don't think they can do it this time. I don't think they're going to get away with it for five years for a number of reasons, which we can discuss. But anybody listening to us um, ought to be at least alert to that 
possibility. I mean, it's not 2013. The world's completely different, but the chart sure is the same, and that's right. something that we should all be aware of. And I wanted to follow up with that because my question, my follow-up question would be, Craig, is if that is an appropriate analog, that time frame for the price of gold. I mean, obviously the chart, there's some similarities in the chart, but economically things are vastly different now than they were in 2013. Right. Um, you know, I actually got something through my desk uh, the other day from Barclays, and they had wrote a big white paper uh, titled Mining Lessons from the 1970s and during that period of inflation and also tightening. And they had mentioned how the tightening cycle really had a meaningful, um, uh, you know, it, it was a big headwind for both gold and the gold miners. Um, you know, looking back that, do you think maybe that's a better analog for this kind of life we live now in precious metals with the economic oh, backdrop? Certainly. I, I mean, the 70s with the stagflation, I mean, that's no doubt that's where we are. I mean, this has been something that you and I have discussed. I've discussed my site since the June of 2020. I mean, it became clear that stagflation was going to be the ultimate outcome of all this COVID stuff. And here we are. I mean, that's not changing. I mean, even if, even if they get inflation down to 3%, that's still going to be higher than the rate of GDP growth, right, which is currently negative. So it's a very definition of stagflation, which is what we had in the 70s. The only difference right now is we had, and maybe it's more of a function of how it's measured, but we had a sharply negative real interest rates back then. Um, and we, you know, we do on an on a intraday basis, if you will, with inflation at 8.5% and a 10-year note at not quite three and a half, that's negative five, but nobody calculates it that anymore. Everybody calculates it off of inflation expectations, and I'm not sure that's how it was done back in the 70s. So that's really the only difference from a market standpoint, but economically, yes. And, and, I, and back to today versus 2013, things are vastly different geopolitically, too. You know, you go back to 13, you still have the Chinese buying treasuries, Japan buying treasury, you know, all this stuff. Well, who's buying treasuries now? You know, it's not the Chinese, it's not the Russians, clearly. It's not the Japanese. They're too busy buying their own treasuries. And so as we go forward here economically, and uh, not only does spending continue and increase, but the recession causes tax revenues to fall, you know, this notion that the Fed is just going to walk away and be a net seller of, you know, their balance sheet, well, then who's, who's there to buy? Right, right. I mean, there are no buyers. So unless you're ready for, you know, interest rates to go to 10%, and what does that do to the banking sector? You know, and everything, I mean, just, geez, just impossible to consider. Then the Fed, sooner than anybody would expect, and certainly not after, you know, not a five-year period like 13 to 18, the Fed's got to turn the printers back on. And at that point, um, I mean, they have to rush to catch up in terms of funding the government. And maybe that's all they're doing, Trevor. They're just trying to jawbone rates higher so that they can cut them again you know, to give them some room to cut. Mm -hmm. And this idea that, that they're out of the QE game, I mean, it's just nonsense. I mean, nobody with functioning brain cells would possibly believe that. Because again, who's going to be buying treasuries and funding all this deficit spending and, and interest uh, debt uh, costs and everything else that goes with it, uh, if not for the Fed in the yeah. years to come. They're called the buyer of last resort right. for a reason. Right. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but, Everybody treats it like in the moment, right now. This is exactly how it's going to be forever. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 
I mean, we were supposed to believe the Fed, right? The transitory people, right? The, oh, I don't see a recession. What are you talking? We're, we're, we're supposed to believe them, that they've got it all under control. And that's what really drives me crazy, is the arrogance and the way they're treated as demigods that can't be questioned, to think that they can just sit there, even Powell admits, you've only got a couple of things they can do. They can twist the dial on Fed funds, and they can try to uh, be a net seller of their of their balance sheet, you know, there's not, you know, maybe they could do some repo action, that type of thing. What else can they do? Not much. Mm-hmm. But yet they put out this, they put forward this face that nobody in the media questions is like, wait a second. If the, how do you, how can you even arrogantly assume like this, that you have some level of control that you can just like, it's some kind of binary thing. We're going to turn a, and then B is going to happen. There's, there's no way in this geopolitical, global, economic, monetary structure that, that they can just do a couple of things and think, well, that's going to fix it, and then we can reverse those things and everything's going to be sunshine and lollipops again. I just The hubris of it all drives me crazy, too. And, uh, yeah, at the, main t- at the end of the day, all we can do is watch. And if they want to drive silver down to 14 again, I'll be, I'll be there to buy some, I can tell you that. <laughs> Let's talk about a little bit of a silver lining on a day silver's having a terrible day uh, and actually focus on gold. And we, we had talked about that analog of the 70s uh, inflationary cycle here, Craig. And so through this white paper from Barclays, I thought you and I could have a chat about this. Uh, gold and gold equities were – they lost about 50% of value uh, through uh, early to mid-1970s through 1976 – but actually, in August of 76, uh, gold and gold miners, actually, the gold miners appreciated 700% off those lows through the next four years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bit um, of a silver lining, something to be patient for, right? Well, yes. Again, because I think that situation is analogous to where we are today. Um <laughs> What's the GDX now down in the last four months? About 50%? Yeah. Right? Getting damn close. Hell, Newmont's down more than 50%. The largest mining stock in the mining company in the world is now has a share price last seen when gold was around 1400 Um, So, our, but I, that doesn't mean it can't go any further, right? Doesn't mean they can't go down further. But there's no doubt, you know, if, if history is any guy that that's the most analogous period to today is the late 70s. And, um, yeah, gold went from a hundred dollars to $900 in three years. Right. And there were, I remember my, my friend, Ned Naylor Leyland once sent me a chart of, uh, mining shares and price changes over the course of three years in the late seventies. And things went from 30 cents to $30. And I thought, well, if that ever happens again, I hope I'm smart enough to sell them <laughs> <laughs> and not think they're going to 60. Right, right, right. I mean, half the uh, you know half the challenge of this of this sector is knowing when to sell. Also, That's for sure. So let's talk about the August of seventy six. Let's have some fun, Craig. Let's do okay. something we we typically don't do on the podcast. <laughs> fun talking <laughs> talk about fun. Okay, so in the seventies and August of seventy six is when gold gold equities bottomed during that cycle and then ran up seven hundred percent. You know I love music. I'm a music guy. Can you guess? Can you name me? Let me put out a number. Three songs from the August of 1976 mm. that were three of the most popular songs 
that mm. time. I think you were old enough to know this. I was I'm, negative six years old, so I don't know. Dude, I was 10. <laughs> uh, in the summer of 76, I'd have been going to the lake with my sisters and stuff like that. Uh, so the radio would have been on quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Philadelphia Freedom. Um, big song by Elton John, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Elton that was had a great bicentennial album. summer. I'm, I'm not sure if it was still a chart topper in August of 76. Um, Don't Go Breaking My Heart, maybe a little Captain and Tennille. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there. that was in there, that was uh, in Don't there Go Breaking My sure. Heart was not a Captain Tennille song, it was Elton John, but Captain and Tennille would have been a big song. How about Afternoon Delight, was that in 1976, summer? Starlin Vocal uh, Band, you are right. Boom! Oh, that would be a big sound. And, um... What else would in a big sound in the summer of 76? Oh, man, I have to think about that some more. Those are the first three that come to mind. How about You're My Best Friend by Queen? Oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. There was, also, there was also some real shit in there, too. You may remember. Oh, yeah, you bet. Let Her In by John Travolta. Whoever let that Ooh. guy actually sing and not just stick with dancing. I'll never go. Never know. Ouch. <laughs> yeah all right that could not have been a big big summertime hit i bet there was some other great stuff in there too got by 76 um there were some i mean there's some well, that'd be really fun to go back and look at that list because uh, there's some early stages of actually getting some real music and not just disco and and uh things like that or let let your love flow by the balami brothers i'm sure that's oh, on yeah that's on repeat with kranzler every day Burn on I'm sure. a wing and let your love flow <laughs> da, 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 dee, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah oh, yeah shit yeah. all right my I'm, man we, we had to have we, we had to have some fun on a rather bleak bleak day so thanks for uh thanks for doing that with me well the, uh, the, fun, the fun thing to think about is that's 46 years ago and uh <laughs> By 46 now, years from now, I'll be long since dead, and I won't have to watch the medals anymore. <laughs> so that's good. There's your, there's your so I got story. that going for All me. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, Craig, have yourself a great week, my friend. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Always fun, Trevor. Hang in there, man. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.